Welcome to That's Her Business. I'm your host, Rosie Allen. On this podcast, you'll find conversations with entrepreneurs, corporate ladder climbers, and generally just real women working in business like you. Consider us your work bestie, here to provide some actionable advice on the day-to-day grind. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Jenny Courtney. Jenny is a customer experience professional. Today, we're going to talk about this unique career track and how businesses use this data to influence their brand and day-to-day businesses overall. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. Hey, Jenny. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Good morning. You got me up so early this morning and ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I've been up for three hours with the baby. I, so I figured cool. that. I was like, Jenny's on that mom life, so <laughs> I better get my shit together. <laughs> um, well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'll let you kind of introduce yourself and give everyone just like a your quick elevator pitch on what it is you do for work. Yeah, so um, I'm Jenny. I am a customer experience professional. Um, That has not always been my role or my title, but that's where I've found myself for about the past four and a half years or so. Um, And a lot of people don't know what customer experience is. (laughs) So I pulled up a definition, which is going to be more eloquent. Let's hear it. Um, So... It sounds fancy, but customer experience is the impression your customers have on your brand as a whole throughout all aspects of the buyer's journey. Um, that's that's what it is, right? And like generally, right? Generally. It's a key differentiator for businesses, so it competes with like price and product for something that a company might focus on. Um, for me, what that has meant as kind of a discipline has been building customer feedback systems. So something that you might resonate with is like you get off of a flight and an hour later you get an email or text saying like, how was your flight, right? And you gotcha. have the ability to, to give them feedback about that experience. So that's something that I, I would build. So completely digital. It is, yeah, right. It's completely digital, but it it influences aspects that are in person. Gotcha. And so, I mean, I don't know if you can run us through like a specific example for a certain company, whether it's like an airline or whatnot, but what are the kinds of things when you're building it on your team that you're like looking for or have to incorporate? Right. So I would say... The goal of a CX program is to get feedback from lots of different touch points a customer has with the brand. Um, One that I've really focused on has been customer service, customer care. Um, So at the last company that I worked with, it was a global enterprise and they had Mm -hmm. never had a system for getting that feedback consistently like across the globe. So what we had to build was questions that were standardized and Mm -hmm. that would be sent at, again, a standardized time. So the KPI that that would influence was um, customer effort score. So how easy or difficult Mm -hmm. was it to work with 
us, basically. <laughs> and that was sent after a, a case was closed with customer service. So Okay, gotcha. Call in, you say, hey, I have an issue with my bill, or like I want to place an order. A case is created, and when that issue resolution is found, it's closed, and then I build the system for triggering a survey based on that. Like the follow-up survey. Exactly. And how, like, if you're answering honestly in those follow-up surveys, how much is it impacting those individual people? I'm just wondering. Good question. Um, So the good CX systems or programs will have what's Mm -hmm. called a closed loop program, which means that a individual customer's response will trigger an action from the company if needed. So that action might be super negative or something. Yeah. So it's like, was this issue solved? Right. So we're, we're sending a survey because the agent said that it was resolved. So was it not? So let's reopen a ticket for you. That's not only being sent to an agent, but being sent to basically a manager. Um, So those are like the individual systems from a strategic perspective, again, a good CX program will have systems in place to monitor the feedback in aggregate to understand mm-hmm. what are our customers complaining about on a larger scale. And then let's build that into action plans. So gotcha. again, a good CX program will <laughs> listen to the feedback. Give us some examples of like good versus bad. Good programs or like what are what are your X for like a CX program? I guess. Yeah, I mean, any program that is asking for feedback but isn't using it, that's an X, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So you definitely have to make sure that it's um, not only being heard, but some smaller programs are probably only going to use like the verbatims, the comments that people um, provide. Right, that's right. What, that what you're losing in that is an ability to trend, and when you're trending the data, then you can red flag issues as they come up, or even before they come up. Um, okay, so gotcha. that's kind of the good versus the bad is if you're not actually doing anything with those results or flagging results before the issues happen. That's and so when you fill out those surveys, our company, say like it's really long or you just like get bored of it, you don't want to do it anymore, are companies saving the data that you already put in? So if I put in like two answers, but I don't do all 10, yes. do they use that? They do. So the experience management systems, there's like a few big players in that. So mm-hmm. the big players that cost a lot of money Yes, they will record partial responses. So a lot okay, of people gotcha. know that you're not going to fill out the whole thing and they'll front load the important questions at the beginning knowing that. But if you're filling out like a Google form, I don't think that that will record They like it. have it in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which kind of brings me to my next question of can smaller businesses use this as well? Or like what do you suggest? Do you have... Do you know any of yeah like, I would technologies say, or companies they could use to kind of implement this? Totally. I think I think it's yes and no in terms of 
smaller businesses can use the um, ideas and the the general like best practices of what CX is. CX is at its core just improving customer experience. The experience, so, yeah. And and so something that a small business can take is all feedback is good feedback. Right. You know, reviews on your even like your Google listing or something like that. It stinks if that's negative, <laughs> but you need to take it for what it is and just use it to create better yeah. experiences in the future. So little things like that small businesses can take from the perspective of like what I do and building these big feedback systems um, is not necessarily going to be important for everyone. And it's probably not going to be worthwhile for everyone either because the best businesses keep things personal. So yeah, how you're going to get that feedback doesn't need to be through an email survey. You can just ask your customers what you think of this. And that's probably going to go further than an email survey. So yes, Angel is the answer. When you're like building these, and again, I'm kind of more so thinking for like a smaller or mid-tier business, Mm -hmm. are there specific like data banks where you can go to to say like yes if you put their name in the email you'll get 80 percent of an answer or like whatever um where you find that info i i'm not sure about that okay we'll check (laughs) we'll list it if we find it yeah um cool what's like exciting about cxto do you love it? And if it's not exciting, you can say that too. It's I mean, yeah. it's a fair. Not everybody <laughs> loves exciting us. The the thing is, so I recently left the company I was at for four years, kind mm-hmm. of because it was struggling to bring CX into the modern world. Um, okay. So something like an email survey isn't that exciting because customers aren't using their email as often anymore. So ways that you can bring CX into the modern world is by touching customers or reaching out to customers where they are. So a better Mm -hmm. example of that is I ordered from Grubhub a couple days ago (laughs) and like 30 minutes after my meal was delivered, I got a text saying, was your order on time? Yes or Mm -hmm. no? You know, and, and then we started a text chain where they collected that feedback. So that's one thing that's interesting about where CX is going. Of course, there's also lots of like AI that's being done too. So Mm -hmm. that comes in the form of uh, speech analytics. So as you're on the phone with somebody, it's picking up what you're talking about, applying sentiment to it, highlighting key words, phrases, things like that. um, And then trending off of, what you're saying instead of what you're typing. That's so crazy. So what companies, like how big of a company is using that? Or do you you know of any that do? (laughs) Well, I will say that uh, I just had to roll over my 401k funds for my old bank and it had like a uh, validation of my voice. So I didn't have to answer my questions anymore because it recognized my voice oh my god yeah which was so crazy right and and i think that's an example of like designing experiences 
in mm-hmm. a new way. So even that is CX, right? But if they're doing that, then they are also probably listening to, to every conversation. Everything you're saying. Yeah. yeah, that is, I mean, I feel like they always say, like, you're on a recorded line, blah, blah, blah. Like, usually yeah. you, you do and get that to feedback. And off of that, that's also an example of something that's sometimes in a, a CX program is quality assurance purposes. So somebody's listening to that call, like, rating the agent for how they did, and then getting... That is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. That poor agent, I mean... Usually it's always fine, but yeah, right. That's a lot. Not to tangent off of that, but this morning I was actually listening to the New York Times podcast about um, Madison Square Garden and their use of like AI facial recognition when you walk in. Right. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Definitely tied up in a lot of lawsuits right now. I think some that's been a goal of some like police departments too of being yeah. able to identify like people in the crowds right of, so interesting yeah i mean it make it makes sense because msg is so huge and it is above the train station as well um but essentially if you guys go back you should definitely listen to the podcast yeah. i don't know jenny if you've listened to it but essentially they are in a lawsuit which is like a tiny lawsuit where I, I believe it's basically like a fan fell or it's, it's something like personal like that. Um, and they banned every single lawyer that works for that law firm from entering. Wow. So like a, a girl is going in with her boyfriend to like see Mariah Carey and they scan her face and they take her aside and they got their pictures just off of like the law firm website. That's really interesting. Perfect. Anyway, sorry to, sorry to tangent off, but... That's an interesting one. Just another example of, like, AI, and who knows? They could be yeah. scanning your face as you leave, being like, did they like that? <laughs> and might totally. Part of yeah, it. you could say facial recognition of, like, are they smiling or are they not? And think about that, that at, like, a TJ Maxx. You know, like, yeah, and analyzing responses for each department or each like piece of clothing. You know, when you touch a piece of clothing or you take it out and you're like, oh, I didn't know there was writing on that. (laughs) Imagine them being able to do that someday, probably. It's kind of scary. Is there any truth to that on your phone? I've totally heard people say that before of like, they can see your facial recognition when you're like scanning through items. Not yet, Um, right? Oh, I've only known that from like Netflix documentaries. Okay, okay. <laughs> Watching it, I don't know. Um. Okay, let's get back into it. So, when you were in college, is this something that you even knew about, or something you were kind of thinking of pursuing? No, definitely not. I I was a marketing major and an IT minor, um. So it fits but Mm -hmm. I did not know about it I did not study it and that is pretty um typical for people in the CX discipline so it's really not taught um I feel like I got lucky falling into it because what I was really doing when I was job searching was just trying to find something that fit my skills and interests rather than looking for a particular job title or role and so that's that's kind of how I fell into it, luckily. 
That's great, though. And now you said you moved into kind of tech and travel. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> so I will say I, I recently joined uh, Zillow, so only a month mm-hmm. ago. So I don't have too much <laughs> experience and knowledge <laughs> of that industry yet. Um, but like I said, I'm excited to join a more modern company that is going to be able to apply some of these techniques um, in in more innovative ways. Nice. And how was how was the job search? Did you like have a mentor? Did they poach you or were um, you looking for a while? So I was on maternity leave and my goal for maternity leave was like, all right, by the time he's six weeks, I'm gonna have my resume completed. And then by the time he's eight weeks, I'm gonna apply to like ten jobs. And so that's <laughs> kind of how I like managed it. Um, and that worked out. It took a while because I was looking for the right thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was actually happy that I went back to my old role before I moved back. So after maternity leave, I did go back to my old job. Um, but yeah, I got, got the ball rolling during leave and, um, I, it was, it was definitely a process, particularly for the company I went with. I think mm-hmm. I had um, five or six hours of interviews just for that. Oh, that my God. Interview. Yeah. Like separate interviews, no? Yeah. And I mean, I presented like two case studies and yeah, a lot of. Wow, lot of that's intense. Did yeah. you know anyone in the company? Like, were you able to network yourself a little bit? No, I haven't. Cold? Um, I, I went in. Yeah, I just happened to get lucky with the experience really matching up. Um, I have in the past made a record of all of the places that I've applied and whether I had a connection there or not. And mm-hmm. I remember, um, I'm not going to remember the percentages, but in the past, <laughs> it's crazy the percentage of companies that you hear back from, from when you have some kind of referral versus not. Um, Definitely. But in my first job search, I remember the only two companies I got offers from were companies I had no connection to. And I almost think that goes to show like sometimes those referrals, you're getting in the door, but for a position that doesn't actually match up with right, what you're looking right, right. to do. <laughs> so it's it's funny how that's worked out for me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it helps. At least it, like, starts the conversation, especially if you're transferring into an industry where you do have a little bit less of experience. You're going to have some background knowledge, and they're going to have some background knowledge about, like, your work ethic or whatnot, but... No, it um, absolutely makes a difference for getting in the door. And then those, even those interviews, even if it's not right for you, the practice of going through the interview process helps so much. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. It's all practice. <laughs> Even jobs um, that I knew I actually didn't like, I was like, let me just practice my speech to them. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, okay, I had another question for you. And for those of you guys listening, usually before people come on the podcast, I send them out a questionnaire. So there's something Jenny mentioned in the questionnaire about asking, like basically asking yourself, what do you want to do? And then figuring out whether or not you should ask your employer if you want to 
build a team under yourself or if you want them to hire someone above you. And I just wanted to see, I thought that was so interesting. I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about the process and kind of what you took into account to figure that out. Yeah, I think I've I've found myself in interesting teams where we were really building something. So I wasn't mm-hmm. going into like a typical sales org where you start with cold calling and then, you know, you work up from there. It was really being built as we were going through it. Um, right. So with that, there was often not clarity around kind of like management structure and how we were going to accomplish our goals, like who was responsible for each thing. Um, and so at one point after one of my managers transferred, I found myself working under a VP for like, it felt like a year, maybe it was eight months. <laughs> it was far too long for me to be like only one person between the C-suite. And right, for me, right, right. doing like very much individual contributor work. Um, and so this was going on for too long and we weren't able to s- strategize with where we were going while I was just trying to maintain the program, right? So I knew we were not growing and developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I remember having these conversations with my husband of being like, should I be going to my current manager and saying like give me people I will do the strategy right I just can't do the strategy and the maintenance and so your real job let me hire. <laughs> and so I had to think about whether that was actually something that I wanted to do and in the end I decided I didn't I wanted still the experience of learning from somebody above me somebody with else, more experience yeah. from that as I did particularly because one thing I don't really enjoy doing is going to executive leadership and telling them that like they need to hit this number otherwise they don't get their million dollar bonus that's something I don't <laughs> actually want to do <laughs> so right it was that self-reflection of what was important to me and then going to my boss and saying I don't want that route, but you need to hire somebody above me that I can learn. So did you have end up having that conversation with them? Yeah, I did. Oh, wow. Um, and how, how did it go? I remember um, him responding with, like, kind of where do you see yourself? Do you want to be, like, the leader or do you want to be, like, the right-hand man? And mm-hmm. I said, I think I want to be the right-hand man. Like, I'm cool with that. I'm the expert like i'm really the one that actually people know is all of the strings <laughs> and making things happen i'm good with that and he said yeah a lot of a lot of successful people have kind of taken that role so um i think that does kind of tie into where i am in life as being a mother and how i want that to fit into my life so i'm i'm good with the right hand man role yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's amazing that you were able to be like, look at like what you want in your daily life. Cause I feel like for so many people, it's kind of like a carrot dangling or like yeah. almost like an ego thing. I feel like as well of like a lot of us have like grown up to think like I need to grow and I need to be to the, the CEO. I need to be like, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and even when I was doing my MBA, I, I think I went into it thinking maybe I'd want to start my own business. Um, mm-hmm. But a big part of the MBA for me was like self-reflection and understanding what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses. And coming out of that, I was like, actually, I don't want to like be responsible for the finances. And I right, don't, right, right. you know, the things that I don't care about, I don't want to do that. So that's probably not for me. Um, so yeah, self-reflection is a big part of <laughs> Which is so fair. So you became a mom during the pandemic, right? How I, was that? Yeah, I became a mom in December of 2019. So luckily mm-hmm. I didn't give birth with a mask and I had you know my family around me right that after that but mm-hmm. I went um back to work in on March 9th and if you remember that week that was the week that everything turned yes of course so my daughter was in daycare for two days before it shut down completely and my husband and I were working from home while watching her full-time in our two-bedroom Boston apartment. So (laughs) that was uh, my experience of almost becoming a working mom was during COVID. And I will say, I think all of us had that experience of, for almost the first time, showing your personal life to your coworkers. That is so true. That resonates. Yeah, definitely like people's dogs coming into the camera and so that was one thing that was good was people knew I was just back from maternity leave like humanizes you yeah Mm -hmm. um so I had that but also I was never fully in work or fully a mom I was Mm -hmm. constantly being pulled in two different directions um so that was very tough (laughs) Do you think looking back, it was like better because you got to spend a little bit of extra time or? Totally. There's definitely benefits of it. Um, I am a breastfeeding mom, so I was able to breastfeed her for a year and I didn't really have to pump (laughs) because I would just go out and feed her and that made things so much easier as opposed to now um, with my son I have to pump multiple times a day while I'm home and he's at daycare. So there's like different Mm -hmm. aspects of it that have been hard or good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. I loved in your um, questionnaire when you said, and I'm paraphrasing, so feel free to correct me here, but that you're more yourself when you're working and how you feel like that's more powerful for your kids. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was beautiful and something I'm sure a lot of people feel, but it's kind of hard and I'm not a mom, um, but I feel like it's hard, probably hard to convey that to other people, right? Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. Um, I think there's still, you know, it, women have only been working for like a few generations, right? Mm-hmm. And there's... I grew up very fortunate to have a teacher as a mom. So she was a professional woman, but she also was with us every vacation and every summer and when we came home from school. Um, And so you're always like a little bit pulled to this idea of like, they grow up so fast and like they need their mom. And um, 
so it's difficult and I'm definitely always pulled in that direction as well. But again, when I reflect on like my almost mental health <laughs> and attitude. Yeah, definitely. If I am working and using that side of my brain, I feel more refreshed than I do, you know, after a weekend to be to totally honest. There's only so much I can play mommy and baby with my three-year-old <laughs> that doesn't use my brain in a way that is like, that fills me, like fills my cup. Mm -hmm. I am more fulfilled when I am working and using that part of my brain. So it's, it is yeah, difficult yeah. sometimes to accept that, but I just know that's, that's my reality. Do you have like a popular response if people do ever like question you? that you've like kind of canned and come up with yeah. I, I mean I, you I have been fortunate probably with the people who surround me that they they know who I am Understand. and yeah respect that that decision um so I think I've been lucky there that's great yeah um okay that's all I have for questions for you but is there anything else you wanted to touch on like do you recommend this as a career path for people I do. I think it's um, I think it's not well known about, right? And yeah, definitely. I, I think there's a lot of similar roles. You know, there's like analyst roles and things like that that aren't specific to CX, um, that people don't necessarily like study for. But it is, I think, an interesting um, perspective, and. I mentioned earlier that when I was looking for roles, I was really looking for skills instead of a particular like role title. Right, um, right, right. So I would also recommend that is, um, you know, don't feel boxed into, I studied marketing, I need to be a marketer now. Right. Yeah. But I would recommend Which, it. Nice. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And not to volunteer your time, Jenny, but I will put your LinkedIn in the show notes. So if anyone does have any questions, I'm sure if you reach out on LinkedIn, Jenny will probably answer them. <laughs> totally. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining. Thanks, Rosie. Thank you for listening to That's Her Business. I'm your host, Rosie Allen. If you want any more information about Jenny, I will leave it in the show notes. You can follow her on social media and I will also leave her LinkedIn. Thank you and see you next week. Bye.